Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, I always promise you you're in the right place, and I mean it every time. Today's no exception. The buzz? Tell me why. What is she talking about? Well, let's start with a statistic here. MSL Group, if in case you're wondering what they are, they're a public relations network of companies, part of the French multinational publicist group, all spelled in French all nicely. They reported that 77% of buyers are more likely to purchase from a company whose CEO uses social media. Now think about what I just said. That means the person at the top. The person in the lead chair in the C-suite is using social media. So let's turn this question inside and look at all of you, your companies, our listeners all over the world. If your CEO, your executives, and your employees are not active on social, they don't believe in social media, or they're very shy about, oh, what would I do? What would people say? What would they think of me about social networking? They need to be convinced it's a make or break business activity and they should take it seriously, not just a little, but very. Now that's a big job. We're not nominating you, whoever and wherever you are, but it's something important to think about. Do you believe in it? Then you need to convince them to believe in it. But how do you go about doing this? Well, you can do a little name dropping, we used to call it. Start by telling, especially your CEO, your CIO, your CTO, your CMO, whoever it's ear you have, tell them that, well, Richard Branson, Mark Cuban, Elon Musk, Michael Dell, and Bill Gates, they're all social CEOs. They're out there. They're tweeting. They're on LinkedIn. They're doing it. They're in the trenches doing it. If that doesn't impress them, stay tuned and listen to the great advice and insights from our panelists today. We are talking about convincing your C-suite to invest in social selling. Let me get started. What a great panel we have. First up, I'm delighted to welcome William Aruda, A-R-R-U-D-A. If you don't know who he is, you got to Google him and find out. He's the founder of Reach, the global leader in personal branding. Now, here's the quote, and it's a William Aruda original from 2003. It may sound familiar to a lot of you, but William says he used it first, and I believe him. Here's the quote. If you don't show up in Google, you don't exist. Period. End of story. William Aruda, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Bonnie. How are you? I'm fine. Delighted to meet you. I'm delighted to have you here. So what does this all mean? We're trying to talk about convincing the C-suite that social is valid. And now we're taking it down to, I think, a very personal level. You don't show up in Google? Eh, you're not even there. You're not a real person. So how do we translate this into that make-or-break business proposition? Yeah, well, I think today, um, let's face it, the interesting thing about social media, right, technology, it's what's made business human, Right, so it's so it's kind of ironic that that it takes technology to turn uh, business into this human endeavor. But uh, today, we want to build relationships with people, and we want to buy from, we want to work with, we want to engage with people, and and that's really where 
um, the, the human element of social selling comes in. And, and when we want to be able to connect with the leaders of the organizations um, that we're affiliating ourselves with. So um, it, it's really incumbent upon everyone in the organization to think about how they show up uh, on the web because it has an impact on them individually and on the organizations as well. Thank you, William. Let me just ask a question based on some comments I made in my opening. Are people still shy about social networking? Could it be that a CEO says, well, this isn't really my strength. I would have to have somebody do it for me, and then it's not authentic, and then they're going to bother me. Well, Bob, it's time to do the next 15 tweets. It's time to update your LinkedIn profile. Is there a sense of shyness, a sense of fear? What do you observe? I think it's some shyness, some fear, and some... I, I don't really see the value yet, or mm-hmm. I don't understand the value, and therefore I'm not going to do it. I, I think um, part of it is habit as well. It, you know, we, we have a habit of, of doing things that we think make us successful, and if we haven't used social media yet and we've been successful, then gosh, what do I need to use social media for? So I, I think there's a lot of that uh, at play, and, and there's also an investment. It, it, you know, the, you don't just tweet once and all of a sudden, boom, your stock price changes and, uh, and you, your in, revenue increases for the quarter, right? It, it really takes a, a steady, regular habit. And I think, um, you know, it, like forming any habit, right, that, that's a, a little bit of a challenge for us. So we, we need to be willing to invest in it rather than just dip into it to see if it's going to work. Thank you very much, William. Pleasure to have you on. And what we just talked about is a perfect segue into the quote from our second guest. She is Lindsay Boggs at Smarter HQ. We'll tell you a little more about her in a minute. But she has sent me a quote from Ken May, who is not only the former CEO of FedEx Office Kinko's, and he's currently chairman of the March of Dimes Board of Trustees because they helped to save his daughter's life. He was appointed the COO of Krispy Kreme mm, in 2011. And in 2014, he became the president and CEO of Topgolf, and he was one of Lindsay's early on mentors. Here's the quote, and here I think is a perfect segue. Lindsay said via Ken May, it's never as good as it feels and never as bad as it seems, talking about the personal sentiment on diving into social media if you're in the C-suite. Welcome, Lindsay Boggs. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're so pleased to have you and William on the panel, as well as Kirsten Boyleau, who is always here with us, because this is, she sponsors this series. Lindsay, love the quote from Ken May, and do you think we can relate that back to what, what uh, William and I were talking about? Absolutely. I think it's really important just to remember that you're going to have really great days where you get a lot of responses with social media. Um, my particular secret sauce is LinkedIn, as probably everyone on the phone knows. But I would say there will be days where you get a, a many responses, and then there will be days that you get zero. And I think it's really important to remember the good times, but when you hit a bad time, it's never as bad as you really think it is. And that really helps me continue to be consistent and persistent on the social selling side. Lindsay, you're certainly an inspiration like William is and Kirsten is. You, you are a pioneer. You want to just give us a little tiny bit of background on how you got started. And you are considered, by the way, I must tell our listeners, you've been described by the head of marketing at LinkedIn, Justin Schreiber, as a legend in the realm of social selling. How do you get to be a legend in social selling, Lindsay? What does it take? I think the biggest thing is that it takes persistence and it takes out-of-the-box creativity. Um, Just as a background, when I first started um, my first sales position, I looked at what everyone else was doing around me because it was my first role and I needed to figure out how to get appointments set. 
And what they were doing wasn't working very well. And I'm the type of person, if you tell me to get 10 appointments, I'll get you 15. And I needed to figure out what they were doing and make it better. And so that's when I turned to LinkedIn and decided, okay, I'm going to stop cold calling as much. I'm going to stop cold emailing. I need to relate. And just as William said, we need to humanize it. And if I need to reach out to a CEO, again, CEOs put on pants the same way I do as do VPs. And taking the fear out of a title was the biggest thing that differentiated me from the rest of my team. And just talk to them like they're human, because they are. Um, and, started, and started on LinkedIn. And then from there, I continued to grow the team and continue to grow social selling with LinkedIn. And it just kind of took off from there. But it was really just trying to figure out how to get somebody's attention and how to get them to, um, to see that you are also on the same level and you're also human just like they are. Thank you, Lindsay. So to, to be this pioneer and to become a legend so quickly, you really needed to dip your toe in uncharted waters and dive right in. Dive right in and say, hey, I see what's happening is broke. The old wheel is broke. Let's see what we can do to get a better wheel. I love it. Thank you so much, Lindsay. And again, a pleasure to meet you and have you on our panel. And now it's time to introduce Kirsten Boylow, Director of Digital Startup, leading the SAP Social Business and Social Selling Initiatives for SAP Global Marketing. And everyone, Kirsten is, boy, is she multitasking today. She just finished a major training webinar for SAP employees about six and a half minutes ago. She was on for a solid hour fielding questions from about 150 people. I was in the chat room poking at her and saying, go Kirsten, things like that, reminding people to listen to her live here on the radio. Kirsten has sent me a wonderful quote from Tom Goodwin. Anybody doesn't know who he is, you have to look him up. There is, I believe, a baseball or football player named Tom Goodwin. That's not the one. We're talking about the one who is the Senior VP of Strategy and Innovation at Havas, H-A-V-A-S Media. And uh, Uh, He is just uh, amazing in terms of his writing and the extent of his influence. A very, very interesting young man who's spoken all over the world and been quoted everywhere. Here's the quote, and I'm going to have Kirsten tell us how it relates to our topic. The quote is, Uber, the world's largest taxi company, owns no vehicles. Facebook, the world's most popular media owner, creates no content. Alibaba, the most valuable retailer, has no inventory, and Airbnb, the world's largest accommodation provider, owns no real estate. Something interesting is happening, and I want to say, I want to add my own question, you think? Kirsten, welcome. <laughs> How are you, busy lady? What's going on? It is Life is extremely busy, but I'm loving it. I love talking about social selling, so I am so happy to be here. Good. We're delighted. So, Tom Goodwin, love the quote. I've heard it before. I didn't know anything about him till I looked him up. How does this quote relate to our topic about convincing your C-suite that it's important and perhaps even urgent and business-making, future business-making, to be part of social media? Kirsten? Uh, I mean, when you're talking to the C-suite, numbers mean everything. And if you can bring in stories like like, you know, the Alibaba, the, you know, Airbnb, um, all of these, you know, great companies, Uber, that, that you know, they're making millions and millions of dollars off of having no inventory, off of having no uh, real estate. And, and how are they doing it? They're doing it with social media. And I think that's just so telling. And it, it's a great story to, to share with, um, if they don't know, know it already, with the C-suite to say, look, you know, 
if if these companies are doing it with you know with social and having no um, you know no no overhead essentially uh, no you know inventory no no real estate um, how, why can't we as a company uh, be involved and and really grow our influence grow our uh, revenue and our opportunities pipeline um, through that through that same channel uh, in just a different way. Uh, and it's a really is a great way to, you know, I've always said that social is just a, a different way to engage with our customers. Our customers have always wanted to build relationships with us. Sales has always been about relationships, and it always will be about relationships. Um, and, you know, so our customers have always wanted to to understand who we are. Let's give them that op- let's give them the the information that they're looking for. Let's be more human. Let's let's let them know who we are as a company as, you know, um we're doing more social corporate responsibility, you know, reaching out, uh working with um uh charities and that kind of thing, but also who we are as a as human beings working with inside SAP, let them get to know us so that they feel like they can relate to us, that they can build relationships with us and thus grow our overall revenues. Thank you, Kirsten. And and one word that come, jumps out at me that's not exactly in Tom Goodwin's quote is the word disruption. And Lindsay Boggs was telling us about how she had to disrupt the status quo, which simply wasn't working. She didn't wait for permission. She didn't wait to have somebody put a crown on her head and say, now you're the new queen of disruption. She went out and did it. And I know that William Arruda has also made great inroads as the global leader in personal branding because he saw the opportunity. He saw the need. So do you think on our topic today, Kirsten, convincing your C-suite to invest in social selling, do you think the word disruption, if we associate that with Tom Goodwin's quote, do you think that's frightening to a CEO who really is seeking some kind of new status quo, some kind of new way to continue to running the company? Is that scary or is that a, wow, let's dive in, I want to be the one to disrupt here on social? What do you observe? I think you can't get to be CEO of a company without being a little excited about the word disruption, about, Mm. you know, doing new things, about doing things in a different way. Uh, so I don't think it would be scary to, to most CEOs. Uh, there might be a few out there that, you know, that they're, they're you know, holding onto the reins really tightly and don't want to, you know, rock the boat too much. But for the most part, I think most CEOs, they, they, need, they, they have that vision. They have that, um, they are visionaries in who, in, you know, in the industry that they're in, and they get that whole idea of disruption. Thank you. I want to go back to William and get your thoughts on this, William. And are you a disruptor? Is that one of the middle initials you put in your, you have a D in your middle initial name somewhere there? William Disruption (laughs) Aruda? I bet you have. Go ahead. What do you think? Do you think CEOs, we talked about them being shy. We talked about them being reluctant. Do you think that it's still too new for them or do you think they're all bold and brave? Why aren't they all on social media, William? Yeah, I, well, you know, I do think that they want, I, I th- most people I talk to in the C-suite at organizations, I think they want to engage in social media. I think they know that, that their business needs to remain relevant, and that's so absolutely essential today that they be visible in social media in the right ways. I, I, so I think that the, the, you know, do we need to do this? It's an absolute yes for most uh, C-suite executives. I think the challenge is and where the hesitation is and maybe some of the slowness to act is, is exactly how do we do this? How do we do this so that we can remain relevant and stay true to our brand and continue to, to grow as an organization uh, for years? And I, I think that, you know, knowing exactly how to do it 
might put the brakes on uh, some folks because they're not exactly sure, right? And and they need uh, sometimes some external advice or or some some you know they need to try a whole bunch of things out to see what's going to work for them. So um, I think I think a lot of them are ready to do it. I, I think how how they are most effective at it is is where they might be struggling a bit. Thank you, Lindsay Boggs. Love to hear your thoughts on this before we move into our "What's in Your Cup Today" segment. Go ahead, Lindsay. Absolutely. I think in, to get to a CEO, it's not that they did not, never take risks. You have to take a risk. I'm sure somewhere along the line to get to CEO level. And for me, if I I had showed them my stats, and 84% of my meetings generated in 2012 came from social selling. So taking that to the CEO's office, saying, "Hey, we need to invest in social selling," was a no duh for him. So I think as long as you have the the collaboration and you've got the backup, then it should be an easy sell. Thank you very much. I like that. Is the show over or should we continue talking? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we wrapped that one up in a neat bow. Speaking of a neat bow, I want to find out what William Arruda is drinking today. I know you're in rainy Manhattan because you told me that before we went live on the air. What's in your cup today or what are you planning to drink after the show? We want to know a little bit about your personal branding. William, talk to me. Well, let me tell you about one of my favorite brands in the whole world, which is Nespresso, uh, which I discovered when I was living in Paris many years ago. And now I, uh, I, I cannot start my day without my Nespresso. And my favorite capsule is, is the purple one called Arpeggio. So for the Nespresso aficionados out there, that I, I think that's the absolute best way to start your day. Purple Arpeggio. What is that? Is that a coffee? Is that a, a pod? What is that? Well, it's it's a it's a coffee pod that's it's actually an arabica coffee uh, that's got kind of a sweet smoky taste, and it's just um, I don't know it kickstarts me every day. Oh, I love that! Thank you very much. <laughs> wow, I got to go get one of those. I have a Keurig. Do you think they make something similarly potent? For the Keurig? Mm, that I mm. do not have any experience with Keurig, so I, I couldn't tell you. But I bet there's somebody out there, some listener, who's going to let you know. I hope so. I certainly do. Thank you very much. And let's talk to Lindsay Boggs. Lindsay, you're down in North Carolina. You told me it's rainy as well. What are you drinking right now or what do you plan to drink later? I am drinking my Palais de Thé. Don't make fun of my French, but it's a very fancy tea. It's a hot tea. And I just put a couple Splendas in there and I'm good to go. And this is my morning routine. Palais de Thé. Now that sounds like Summer Palace to me. Is that correct? It could be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so much for my ability to convey my knowledge of French to you. That was interesting. Uh, Okay, Palais de Thé. And uh, tell me something. What does it taste like? It is very, it has a lot of flavors. Um, It's very aromic. Let's see on the back. It said it's, it's a Tibetan tradition. So it's got lots of tasty spices. (laughs) <laughs> okay, very interesting. And that did you say that that's tea, correct? Yes, it's hot tea. Mm-hmm. Okay, very interesting. I'm trying to tweet this. I want everybody to know a little bit about what you're sharing with us here on the show. So there, so much for social being anonymous, no more. <laughs> Kirsten Boileau, where are you, my friend? You just came from, well, are you in Canada today at home? I am. I'm in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. It's kind of gray out, not, uh, but it's not too bad in terms of temperature. It was about 8 degrees Celsius today, um, so that's not too bad. And, what does that mean? Um, Wait a minute. What does that mean to those of us who, who don't do yeah. Celsius? Oh, right. uh, I think that's around 43, 48, somewhere Ooh. in there. Okay. Very interesting. And what are you drinking? 
Uh, well, currently I am drinking water, but I'm almost done, and I've got a dandelion tea on standby. Um, Ooh, now I've I've read that that's really healthy. What the heck does that taste like? Um, like grass. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think we all want to know dandelion tea. Okay, here we go. Uh, we all want to know: Did you pick these dandelions in your backyard, or do you buy them and you pay somebody to pick them for you? How do, where do you get dandelion tea? This one came from a. Um, a local health food store called Nature's Farm, farm spelled P-H-A-R-M. And I believe the cost, it's a small bag, 80 grams, uh, so about three ounces. And um, I think it was ten twenty-five for these three ounces of dandelion tea. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're keeping them on, so... I'm glad you're keeping the economy alive. That sounds very interesting. I'm going to have to go get me some of that one of these days and see what it really tastes like. Thank you very much. As Kirsten knows, but William and Lindsay are going to find out, they don't let Bonnie have any caffeinated beverages on radio show days. And today is a double header. We're here with Social Selling with Game Changers. And an hour after we are off the air, I'll be hosting Game Changing Women radio. So it's a double hitter day and I'm just drinking cool, clear water with a pretty yellow straw, yellow for the sunshine that we don't have today there. That's all I can tell you. Our topic today is convincing your C-suite to invest in social selling. It's important. Are you the one who has to do Are you the one who should do it? Are you the one who wants to do it? Well, maybe all of the above or a little bit of each. We're speaking today with three gurus of social selling, three pioneers, William Aruda. We're speaking with Lindsay Boggs, and we're speaking with Kirsten Boyleau. We'll be right back. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm, and only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a new tool that has implications to all lines of business, from building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams and building the systems to truly measure the impact of social. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Social Selling with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Social Selling with Game Changers. And 
here we are with our very special panel today, William Aruda, founder of REACH, Lindsay Boggs at Smarter HQ, that's one word, and Kirsten Boileau at SAP, and I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Our topic is convincing your C-suite to invest in social selling, and that's a very, very loaded statement and a very important one. William Aruda has agreed to start the roundtable, and here's some comments he told me before the show we're going to use to kick this off. He says, successful social programs require all employees to be involved, not just those with external clients, i.e. those in the selling field or in the executive suite. The most effective programs engage all of your people throughout all stages of the employee life cycle. That's a big task. William, tell me more. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I actually I have a little bit of, a, of an issue with the term social selling because when we ah. hear that term, we think selling, oh, salespeople and executives, and I think that it's really limiting. And, and what I will say is I think the organizations that are most successful in building social programs and what I call social branding are, are the organizations that involve every employee and not only involve them but uh, encourage them, engage them, uh, create a mandate for them to use social uh, to be successful. And, and it, it goes beyond being able to increase revenue. And I, I know um, Kirsten brilliantly said, and you know, uh, CEOs and C-suite executives love numbers, right? And they especially love numbers related to revenue. Um, they also like to be able to hire the top talent. Uh, they want to be able to, it's a really competitive out wor- world out there for the absolute best talent. Um, they want their talent engaged. They want to retain that talent. They want uh, their brand value to be high in the marketplace. And, and social branding allows all of that to happen when every person is engaged and actively communicating on behalf of the organization. Um, they are helping to increase the branding. They're increasing the visibility of the organization. Uh, they're demonstrating who they are, making it a, a more valuable organization and desirable organization for people to want to work for. And there's a component of them being able to do their jobs better by being engaged with people outside the organization where they can uh, learn best practices, they can benchmark what they're doing. Um, so, so really it requires the entire organization to be involved. Okay, how do you get them involved? When we talk about a program, do you mandate it? Do you say, okay, everyone, you're going to spend the first 45 minutes of your day when you come into work or when you log in remotely with a social selling trainer or we're going to set up a LinkedIn profile for everybody and you're going to have to tweak it and make it personal? How do you get that off the ground, William? Just a quick note from you. What do you think? Yeah, well, you know, I think it starts, so I, I do think you need a comprehensive program that does involve every stage of the employee life cycle. And, and before you even get to that, you need to start at the top. All right, it, it's going to be pretty hard to convince people uh, deep down in the organization that you're serious about social selling or social branding if the CEO doesn't even have a LinkedIn profile, right, or, or doesn't know how to tweet. Uh, so, so I really think it's, it's a program that starts at the top, and it needs to be layered, right? At the top, you need, uh, need uh, hand-holding, and you need people doing it for executives and really helping them um, to get great. And then as you move down the organization, you need to develop um, – training and, uh, and other models that can get people involved, understanding what they can do, uh, right? Not, not rules, because once you put too many mm-hmm. rules in it, people are going to say it's, it's too easy to 
you know, to mess up, I'm not going to do it. You need guidelines to be able to help people. And, and I think um, what I do with my clients is we, we, you know, we start at the top and then we have a tiered approach and, and build training programs and, and uh, get executives and people who lead others up to speed uh, so that essentially everyone understands how important social branding is to the organization. Thank you. One question before I bring Lindsay and Kirsten into this very interesting conversation, William. Is it critical that the CEO and everybody in the C-suite do their own LinkedIn profile, do their own tweeting? It has to be consistent, we know, and it has to be authentic. And I read early on in the social networking world somewhere that people know which movie stars are doing their own Facebook updates or doing their own tweets. You can tell when somebody has an admin or a social guru doing it for them. There's just an edge. It's like using auto-tune. You really weren't quite on key and we can hear the difference. So how important is it to tell the CEO, you have to do it. You have to be the one. Does it matter? Well, well, you know, I, I, I think for the answer to almost everything in the world is it's not A or B, it's often A plus B. And, and so I think that it, it, it's, it's great to be able to say, um, what, what uh, skills does this C-level executive have that are going to be relevant and valuable here, right? And maybe they have the brilliant ideas for the blog piece or um, whatever it is, right? And then who do they need to work with so that they can create something and they're going to do it? Um, and, and so I don't think it's, it's really, you completely outsource it and the CEO doesn't even know what's going out in his or her name. Um, and, al- and also, I don't think that we can really expect people who are in incredible demand and have amazing pressure on their time to be spending, you know, four hours a day tweeting and updating their, their LinkedIn profile. And so I think that there's got to be some way to make it happen where it is authentic, it is in their voice, and yet it's not so onerous that it prevents them from wanting to do it. Thank you. That's what I wanted to know. Lindsay Boggs, we need your POV on this. What do you think? I absolutely agree that the C-suite needs to be on LinkedIn and needs to be authentic on Twitter, not have somebody manage it for them. I find, I find that it's easier to get in touch with somebody when they are authentic, and I know that I'm specifically tweeting to them, not to their admin. The other thing I'll say, something that made it really easy for the entire company um, to get on board with social was having our marketing department send out a weekly, uh, every Monday they would send out a weekly email having specific links to retweet and specific tweets to retweet. And I think that was really helpful for the entire company to get involved. And we would run little um, spiffs so whoever tweeted the most or whoever got how many X followers would get like a Starbucks gift card or something like that. So I think there is a way to be inclusive of the entire company and to get your company's name out there by using social. Thank you. Kirsten Boileau, talk to us. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, yeah, I, I, having that um, conversation with the C-level uh, executives, and, and you're right, uh, William, it really there is a lot of demand on their time. We cannot expect to go in there and explain you know, the whole um, ins and outs of social selling and how to do it, uh, but you know, coaching them on um, why this is important, uh, giving them that really high-level overview, but also connecting it to things that they care about. You know, it, it's kind of like building your your social selling. Um, enablement plan, but for executives, you know, listening to what is important to an executive so that you can strategy, uh, create your approach to, to be most effective and, because you're talking to exactly what's going to be of interest to them, which is, you know, around revenue and, as William said, around, you know, hiring that top talent. Uh, 
and talking to them about how they can impact those those areas using social um, is what's going to get their attention and what's going to be most effective to to get that top down um, buy in and you know to get that you know to move then further down the organization um, it really takes a lot of of education a lot of um, connecting it to things that people care about. Um, connecting it to their KPIs, connecting it to their uh, the things that they're most interested in, meeting their quotas. Um, but also, you know, when you come away from sales, wh- what does the rest of the organization need to, how do they need to engage on social? And to getting them to talk about what kinds of insights they can bring into, um, into an organization by listening to the social conversation in their own networks or um, by, you know, talking about how they can, um, influence their uh, their peers um, by engaging in the social conversation. Those kind of things are really important to people, and you know everybody wants to be known as someone who's influential, someone who is um, a thought leader, and getting people to understand how they can do that uh, and getting that buy-in is is key to making a, an, an overall social selling organization. Thank you, Kirsten. William, I'm going to circle it back to you because you opened this topic. Any thoughts you'd like to share with Lindsay and Kirsten? No, I, I, I absolutely concur with, with all of this great conversation. It's a, it's a big, giant um, love fest, I think, around this. I, I will say I, I want to um, – uh, what Lindsay was saying about LinkedIn, I, I think that LinkedIn is the place to start, and uh, I, I, everyone understands it. It's a place to be able to tell your story. Uh, there's 330 or 380 million um, professionals using it. And we know that when somebody Googles your name, your LinkedIn profile is likely to show up in one of the top three spots. So even if someone doesn't start in LinkedIn, they're going to end up there. So if an organization can embrace LinkedIn as maybe step one, in a social branding program, it's something that everyone, usually people you know, start out in an organization, they already have a profile. So how can we make that better? And how can we help it build the brand and uh, build your ability to be more successful here and create incredible visibility for the organization? So, um, yeah, agree with uh, all this great input. Thank you very much. And you know what? I'm going to jump to another topic here because we have so much wonderful input in prep from our three panelists today and a lot to cover. Lindsay Boggs, a couple of interesting things here in your notes. I'm just going to read one statement and then I'm going to move to something I want to talk about. You say social selling is about opening a conversation, not closing. I'm just going to let that sit right there. And then I want to go to some factoids here. You say decision makers get anywhere between two and 300, that's 200 and 300 emails a day, but they only get one to five in-mails a day. And your advice to social networkers is be that one in-mail and get noticed. Let's start with a couple of definitions here, Lindsay. Why don't you level set for us? Are we talking about LinkedIn? What is an in-mail? How do you get to send an in-mail and what should it be? Tell us. Sure. So this is my bread and butter of what I do. LinkedIn has an option for you to either purchase in-mails, which is essentially, think of it as an email, but it's going through the LinkedIn channel. So the best part about it is that you know, A, it's going to hit their inbox because it's not going to go to spam. It's not a bad email address. And B, you know they're going to get it. So with in-mails, you can either purchase them through LinkedIn or you can have the Sales Navigator account, which is what my team uses. Um, 
And the ability to actually have the person receiving the email see that you're a person is huge. Think about when you send somebody an email. It's probably going to get buried by the other 200 emails that they have. But when you send an in-mail, they're going to see that you have a profile. You, are, you probably have mutual connections most of the time when we're prospecting in the same ecosystem. We probably have mutual connections. You can see that I'm a person. I have rapport. I have recommendations. I'm legit. An email, all you see is my email address. You don't know who I am. And if mm-hmm. you have a, a fancy subject line or a subject line that catches their attention, then great. You might get an inbox. But chances are you're still going to be buried by the 200. So what I tell my team all the time is would you rather be the one in 300 or the one in five? And if you are going to be the one in five, you need to make it personal. You've got to personalize the subject line, whether it be something about a hobby that you have that's the same. Maybe you, have, maybe you went to the same college and you want to talk about college football. Maybe you have similar interests. There's a lot that you can find out about people on their profile on LinkedIn or even Twitter and make it personal. And then once you open the in-mail, make the first, segue personal as well. So maybe you mentioned that you both have a similar connection. Maybe you mentioned you both have lived in the same area or went to the same college, whatever it may be, and then go for the actual proposal on what you're trying to reach out to them for. I often have found that using the word connect instead of meet has Mm -hmm. driven a lot more meetings. When people hear the word meet, they automatically think, oh, gosh, I have to sit through another demo. But if you say something like connect (laughs) or network, it is much less um, stress on them to accept the in-mail and get back to you. Thank you, Lindsay. Question for you that just came up in Kirsten's training webinar at SAP a half hour ago. What is that fine line we walk in showing interest and acting or sounding or looking like a stalker? Hey, Bob, let's connect. I hear you love that little corner bar in the microbrewery. Let's toss back a couple of uh, a couple of uh, Boggs beers on Friday night at eight. Are you free? I mean, really, it's like yeah. Creep City. No, that's, Get that's out of my question. inbox. Yeah, thank you. No, that's Go a ahead. Great question, and I've gotten I've gotten that question a lot. And honestly, it comes down to just being genuine. What I tell my team all the time is, if you're prospecting a company that you actually don't like or you haven't shopped at before, don't tell them that you're a big fan. It's just going to come back and bite you. So make sure that if you are processing a company that it's genuine and you don't want to go down to the level of finding their tweet that they had logged into a certain um, or they had, um, you know, been at a certain bar. You don't want to be that creepy, but you do want to be personal. So I think there's a fine line. And just remember you're wearing a professional brand too. It's your brand, but it's also your company's brand. So you don't want to overstep your boundaries, if that makes sense. Thank you very much. It certainly does. And there is that fine line. Uh, talk about being a disruptor and being a maverick and being out there and being the first one. No, stop, think, be authentic, but not creepy. Kirsten Boylo, this cover this comes under your wheelhouse as well. What do you do? You agree with Lindsay's advice? Do you have anything else to add on that one about being that one in five in mails and get <clears throat> noticed? What do you say? Uh, I, I agree with Lindsay that if you're going to do that um, outward you know, outreach to, to use in mail, uh, to, to be noticed. But I think there is another, um, another way to get noticed in a different way that should, um, even produce even better results. And that's using a referral. So find someone who can introduce mm. you, um, to your contact, uh, get them to help build the relationship before you've ever talked to that person. 
how do you do that? How do you say to someone, would you mind introducing me to so-and-so without being pushy or creepy on that side of the equation? What, what's the finesse for that? Kirsten, any advice for that? Uh, yeah, so you can be, you know, very um, professional. You know, I, I saw that they, um, they were mentioned in the news for this kind of achievement or that they, you know, their company has done X, and I'd like to learn more about how they got there, how they, um, you know, how they, how they achieved that, uh, you know, what kind of strategy they're looking to, to implement to move, the, you know, to move it to the next level. And, you know, keep it very business-related, keep it very short and sweet as to why you want to get in touch with them, and, and, and give them the opportunity to say no. You know, I, sorry, if you can't introduce me, that's fine. Perhaps you can suggest some other ways that I can get in touch with this person. Um, there's lots of ways you can, you can go about it for sure, and utilizing those, those relationships um, to, to get that referral. I, a statistic that I've heard, and I can't remember the source um, right now, but it's like something along the lines of 82% of B2B uh, business deals start with a referral. And and so if you want to be part of that, you know, closing those deals, those B2B deals, you, you need to utilize, leverage the relationships that people have with your contact. Thank you. William Aruda, time for us to get to know a little bit more about you because I know everything we're talking about is probably part of how you developed personal branding into a global industry. So without sitting and reading your bio verbatim, why don't you tell us how you used and how you do use all of what Lindsay and Kirsten have shared with us, referrals, connecting, getting noticed. What do you see? How does that work with what you do? Yeah, well, um, so first of all, I, I, I think both of those are, are really great ideas, the, the direct approach and maybe the indirect approach. And I think that there's a, a third approach, which is an even less direct approach, which is really just uh, engaging in the community, being part of the discussion, mm-hmm. being part of the conversation uh, with the people who are in your ecosystem. Uh, in, in personal branding, we say personal branding is not about being famous. It's about being selectively famous, right? It's about understanding the people who need to know you, the decision makers and influencers, and always being visible to them and always delivering value to them that's consistent with the kind of value you contribute, right? That's what branding is about. It's understanding what makes you great and using that to help other people be successful. So one of the places I think where this is a really uh, powerful tool is in LinkedIn groups, right, where you, you can join a group with maybe 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 like-minded people because the group, groups are all focused on a specific topic, and you can start to engage in conversation and build your brand and your profile and your connections with people who need to know you. Um, so it becomes, a, how can I deliver value? Today I was reading at Fast Company about um, Apple and, and their retail brand and what they're doing, and if I think people in one of my groups might benefit from that, I might share it with that group. But, and add my point of view, right? Just sharing content doesn't have a lot of value, but if I add my point of view and tell people why they should check out this article, I'm delivering value to this network of maybe 10, 20, 30, 50,000 people. And the more I do that regularly, the more I become part of that community. And, and I think that's how um, the magic happens, right? When you really just start to have this vast network of people who know who you are because you're constantly delivering value to them. Thank you I very love much, that, William. I love Isn't that. that something you want, you want to talk about? That Kirsten and Lindsay, we'd love to hear what you think. 
Yeah, I think that's such a great, great point. I mean, we we always think about, you know, getting there fast and getting, you know, getting the, into the front door. But what William's talking about is, is um, honestly, what we've been talking about at SAP for a long, long time is that social selling is not a quick fix. It's it's a something that you build over time. It's you build that reputation, you engage in that conversation, and you get in front of people so that, you know... The, um, I think Forrester says 70 to 90% of the buying cycle is already complete before a sales rep ever gets involved with the, with uh, a sale. And so we have an opportunity to, to completely influence that customer's experience of the, um, you know, the, the particular solution that, and vendors that they're looking at um, by being part of the conversation, by sharing that great, great information, by building a reputation as a trusted advisor, subject matter expert. And that's not just built on, you know, your LinkedIn profile. It's built on the conversation that you're part of and how much value you bring to those conversations. Absolutely agree, William. Fantastic point. Thank you. Lindsay, talk to us. Agree, disagree? Definitely agree. I don't think that, that social selling and your brand happens overnight. It's something that I've worked really hard towards, especially on the LinkedIn side. And I'll be the first to admit I'm a Twitter newbie. So if you see me posting stuff that doesn't make sense, bear with me. But uh, You're doing I'm great. I'm watching you right now. You just posted the C-suite needs to be on LinkedIn and they need to be authentic on Twitter. You posted it and it's beautiful. So thank you very Woo-hoo. much. You're doing great. Real, real <laughs> time, no, real time. Great. Yeah, I, I agree with both points on here. I think it's really important to stress that. So, Thank you very much. William, anything you want? I'd, I'd love to know a little bit about how you built your business. Any quick comments you want to share with us? Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I built my business. Uh, I, we, there's an interesting parallel between me building my business and what's happening with social selling. I, I started personal branding so long ago companies were afraid of it because they thought, oh, if I, I don't need 30,000 brands in the marketplace. I need one. And, and they really thought that they'd make their employees too valuable and they'd leave. And it took a long time for organizations to real, realize that actually helping their people figure out what makes them great and using it would not only make them stay and engage them, but they'd deliver better work in the process. And I'm seeing the exact same thing happen uh, with social media, right? There were all these organizations that actually prohibited you from using social media in your organization while you were at work because they were afraid, oh my gosh, they're going to waste time or they're going to look for a job. If they're on LinkedIn, they must be looking for a job. And I think the wall around that is coming down and organizations realize, gosh, if I get my people to understand how to use LinkedIn, I'm going to increase the brand of the organization. I'm going to increase our visibility. I'm going to help them engage in the business. I'm going to help them be more successful at work. I'm going to help them learn and grow. And this is actually a powerful, valuable tool. So I think um, there's a lot of parallels to, to what happened in the world of personal branding back in 2001 when I started and what's happening now in the world of social media. And it is the organizations that embrace that risk and that fear and say, you know what, maybe, maybe we will lose some people because they'll be poached on LinkedIn. But, but really the overall impact on our organization and our brand is going to be huge. So we want to engage in this in a really big way. Thank you very much. And Kirsten, we have just enough time to cover a couple of notes from your points you sent me before the show. This stuff is too good to ignore. You say, and this is uh, in the trenches, whenever I've gotten pushback from executives on the importance of social selling in an organization, I've asked them a simple question. 
when you see an unfamiliar name or unfamiliar phone number on your caller ID display? Do you pick up the phone? And the answer is invariably no. And you follow up. Kirsten follows up with, why do you think our customers are any different? And then she adds as a quote uh, that 92% of buyers delete emails or voicemail messages when they come from someone unknown. So, Kirsten, how does this relate to our our main topic today on convincing your C-suite that they need to be on social? What's the link? Well, I think that um, what it really says is that you're, nobody's answering the phone. Nobody picks up that voicemail. Nobody responds to that email, to Lindsay's point. It gets lost in the 200 or 300 emails that a, an executive gets in a day. And if they bring that back to, the, you know, to their own experience, you know, they want uh, our, our C-level executives, they want our sales reps to be able to get in touch with um, other C-level executives to be able to influence a particular deal. And, and if they can't get in touch with them in the traditional channels, they need to be able to, um, to get in touch with them through other channels, namely social media. And, you know, a lot of C-level executives, they want to be influencers. They want to share, you know, how SAP or, or, or a different organization is doing things. They want to, um, you know, be known for uh, being very social, being open, being human, being accessible uh, to our customers. And, um, and so, we're the same, so the same thing kind of goes, you know, they want to, to make sure that they're um, – that they are being that, that influencer that, and showing them how they can do that, that they can be accessible to our customers and, and helping them to overcome that fear of, um, you know, well, I'm going to be inundated with tweets or I'm going to, you know, you don't have to necessarily respond to each and every one. Um, but, you know, pick and choose a few moments of every day to interact with your customers, to, to be more real, and you're going to grow our, our overall um, value in the market by um, being available, being accessible, and being an influencer overall. Thank you. Well and, put. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, and so in, in terms of how, you know, um, how that relates back to not picking up the phone. Uh, it really is just about, it's just showing them, you know, the world has changed and, and we need to change and our sea levels need to change with it. Thank you very much. Interesting. William, we have time for just a quick comment from you and then one from Lindsay before we quickly slide into our crystal ball predictions round. William Aruba, Aruda, thoughts? I'm thinking of Aruba today. I'm sure the weather would be nicer there. Go ahead, William. Yeah, not a, not a bad thing to be confused with. So I'm I'm uh, I'm totally good with that. I, you know, I I do think, and I I know I said this briefly before, but I, I think the place to start for everyone, something that everyone can relate to, is LinkedIn, and in in particular, working on your LinkedIn profile. And I, I think the process of putting that together, telling your story in your summary, creating that headline that's compelling that gets people to want to know you, thinking about the 10 skills that you want to be known for in the endorsement section, um, identifying the groups that you want to belong to helps you get clear about your, uh, your target audience and how you can contribute to the organization by, by being essentially a representative uh, in those communities. The, the process of doing that uh, is is really helpful. It helps you figure out what your brand is. It helps you figure out how you deliver value for the organization. And I think for most people, it shows them that social media is not that hard, right? And they and they're willing to take the next step from there. So so I think if we can, you know, 
identify one thing that every person in every organization has in common, it might be that. And, and that's a good kind of nucleus uh, from which to start, and then you kind of move out from there. Thank you. Well put. And Lindsay Boggs, we have to tell everybody that in your former life, you were an opera singer. How did you make the leap of faith from that into being a social selling legend? I I don't see the connection, but it must be fascinating. You want to give us a little quick background? Just just 30 seconds because we're late to get into our predictions. Go ahead, Lindsay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Basically, the day I graduated and gave my senior recital, my parents handed me a bunch of um, bills, uh, health insurance, car insurance, all that fun stuff. And I immediately said, okay, well, I'm glad that my parents brought me up on a dream, but it looks like reality is right around the corner. So I turned to LinkedIn and tried to figure out who do I know, who do I, who do I know to get an introduction to, and everyone that had a job was basically my friend's parents. So I reached out to my friend's parents. I got my first foot in the door in corporate at FedEx as an executive assistant um, and certainly realized that being an executive assistant, I was prompt, I was, you know, very type A about being an executive assistant and translated really well to sales, and that's where I really wanted to be. And uh, over persistence, it, didn't, it did not happen overnight. It took me nine months to get my first interview in sales, but I finally got there, and I've soared ever since. So, Lindsay, in the real world, nine months is about overnight. That's very, very good. <laughs> and I'm going to make a terrible uh, metaphor here. You hit the high notes, obviously. Thank you very much for sharing. I had to say that. I know it's corny. It. Okay. Thank you, William Aruda. It is time for you. I can give you exactly one minute. Predict for me what will be different about social selling, so Social listening about the C-suite's attitude towards social. I love the year 2020. How far into the crystal ball can you look? William Aruda, founder of Reach. One minute. Predictions. Go. Video. Video is the future of social branding. And uh, if you want to be good at it, start now. All of the things that prevented us from being great with video, uh, we didn't have access to video equipment, and it was hard to share, and it was expensive, and it was hard to store. All of that is gone. Uh, the future will be video because it will allow us to engage on an emotional level and connect with people on a way deeper level than the 26 letters of the alphabet allow. Wow, video is the future of social. My goodness, you heard it here first. I love it. Okay, we got to get out that video camera. We got to start going on YouTube and doing something creative. Lindsay Boggs, what are your predictions, my friend? Uh, I can give you exactly one minute. Go. I think the predictions are that people are going to start using emails more frequently and that people are going to continue to be more personal, but then take it up a level and start following more on Twitter start branding themselves, I think their personal brand is going to start expanding, and I think that that's where it needs to be. Um, When I tell my team to prospect, I think about asking them, think about how you are prospected today. When you get prospected by a recruiter or you get prospected by a vendor, think about how it feels and try to translate that into the right way to prospect the C-suite. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point and appreciated, Kirsten Boyleau. This is your series. You get the last word, the last minute of predictions. <laughs> what, do you, what do you see in that crystal ball? I know you keep it polished every week for the show. Kirsten, one minute. Go ahead. I think for when it comes to C-level executives and, and the buy-in to uh, you know, really invest in social selling, I think in the next couple of years we're, we're going to see more and more C-levels, C-levels be um, really enthusiastic. They are going to start driving it as a top-down uh, approach and, and make it part of everyday activities for a sales organization. Thank you and, very much. And, um, yep. Organizations yep. as a whole. 
Wonderful. Thank you very much. We are right at the cusp here, 30 seconds to go. I want to say a huge thank you so much, William Aruda. Such a pleasure. Lindsay Boggs, such a pleasure. Kirsten, come back anytime. It's your series and we love having you. Rumor has it one of these days you're going to take a back seat and just be on the tweeting side and you're going to let three other people take over the panel. So we will see when that happens. We have a lot of episodes coming up here on Social Selling with Game Changers. Thanks for listening and a shout out to Akua Odoi who is wonderful about tweeting all the words of wisdom the wows of our panelists we also do a shout out lindsay's been tweeting woohoo you're getting your feet wet here somebody named kevin crittenden is tweeting he said video is the future of social selling yes and we also had a tweet from somebody i think named king saul a while ago and he loves to follow this show so there you go i'm bonnie d graham and thank you a shout out to justin at world talk yes king solo here he is a shout out to justin our engineer at world talk radio i'll be back in one hour from now can you believe it on game Changing Women Radio, presented by SAP. So, have a great day, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, right now. Toot sweet. Veet, veet. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.